0: Hi, I'm Janet Harrison, founder of the People's Choice Wine Awards, and this is Open Up and Pour, a podcast about folk who are enthusiastic about wine and who know a good thing when they taste it. Each episode, I'll chat to one or two wine lovers, from industry insiders to regular punters, to find out what it is they love about wine and their favourite tipple. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. For more information about the People's Choice Wine Awards, go to peopleschoicewineawards.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. In this episode, recorded at the People's Choice Wine Awards ceremony in 2020, we talked to two presenters from Channel 5's The Wine Show, namely the lovely Amelia Singer, fresh from LA, and Obi Wine Kenobi himself, Joe Fattorini. Was he really a plumber? I'll find out here. Oh, and that really is my phone beeping. Sorry about that. And you're Bradford-born, so...
1: You're me? You're, back, you're, you're right? pointing at me, unless Amelia Sorry? has some great secret that she was actually no. born just off the Canal Road. Joe,
0: you're Bradford-born, <laughs> I believe.
1: You, you can tell I'm Bradford-born, because I don't pronounce it with a D. It's with a sort of glottal uh, T, Bradford. Bradford, yeah. Yes, I was born in Bradford in, um, uh, in 1969. But my family had come from Bradford for a very long time. That was where they, they settled in. And so I remember years ago, being with somebody in, in Northern Ireland and... This fellow said, oh, Fatterini said, that's a good Yorkshire name. And everybody fell about laughing. He said, oh, no, no. It was a Sergeant Major, actually, Army Sergeant mm. Major. He said, it is. Very good Yorkshire name. We had a jewellery shop and um, made the FA Cup in Bradford, which is oh, yeah. the world's most expensive champagne bucket. Because it's modelled on a champagne cooler. And it's covered in grape vines all down the side. And when they valued it on Antiques Roadshow, they valued it at £1.2 million.
0: Goodness mm-hmm. gracious.
1: Most expensive antique ever on Antiques Roadshow. Wow. So I've got his ring. So that's Edward Fattorini's ring, oh. which the, which is a brilliant thing to show in a podcast because yeah. nobody can see it. <laughs> Thanks for that, Joe.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and you've been described as, oh, well, I keep seeing this Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, is that something? Yes, I'm
1: looking to Amelia here because I, I didn't come up with that. It who was came up with that? Matthew Reese, I think. But uh, apparently, yeah. he was given it by Carl, who we both know very well, He was the director, one of the directors. And he kept. I don't know if he never does it to us, does he? He feeds other people lines. Lines, exactly. And then they come back and tell us them. You go, What did you think of that? And then they look across and there's Carl looking innocent in the back.
0: <laughs> so apparently
1: he said, Call him Obi Wan Kenobi. There's another little bit in the first series where um, Matthew Good is talking in a with a sommelier, mm. and they've been sommeliers, and the, the guys in La Bottega, uh, L'Antica La, La, La Bottega in um, Verona, the guys goes, you talk too much. Apparently that was Carl fed him that line oh, as really? well. Oh, really? <laughs> <It was laughs> always, so, yes, it was, it was useful once. Uh, around the Marathon de Medoc, and I was dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, ah. which was funny for about half a mile. <laughs> and then yeah. for the rest of the run... I, my clothes weighed 15 kilos when they took them off because it was sweated into them so much. Oh, I'd nice. sweated 15, 14 litres of oh my body fluid. I, and then I ended up in hospital. Really? Yeah, I had two drips. And I, uh, the producer said that I was the closest she's ever come to killing uh, talent. I, I sort of, <laughs> she said she worried. She wasn't worried the when wine I was Mind serious it's serious <laughs> stuff. We've fallen down mountains. Yeah. That was fun. Oh, the skiing episode. you remember that?
2: Oh, my gosh, Brendan. We almost, like, froze at the top of a mountain, too, in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz Yeah. We had, we no had to I- hug
1: together because oh, I started going blue. and
2: Yeah, we were just oh, basically just clinging for body heat. You know, desperate times. And there was a bear.
1: <laughs> yes. As the, as the helicopter landed, there was a bear run away that time. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, is that how you two met through the wine show? did you know each other before then?
1: I knew of Amelia. Um... I yeah. hope yeah. you didn't yeah. know of me, it was no, me, no, no. me. I, like,
2: We knew of each other through the trade But no, we only f- officially met through
1: the wine show Okay, At the Café Royal uh, It no, was really when it was first nice. getting going uh, Back in the day
0: mm. yeah. and, I mean, how did you end up? I mean, being Because weren't you um, an academic? A university academic, it says on uh, I'm so looking forward
1: to you being asked questions, Millie Because your career <laughs> history is much more <laughs> orthodox no. so Amelia's is the sensible one, really, really?
0: Well, not really, I can't
2: my, I mean I kind of just did my own thing. I kind Mm. of had to come up with my own business degree because I knew I wanted to go into wine. Well, I guess we are slightly different. I always knew I wanted to go into wine. Like I left university. I had a European father who weaned me on wine from age six. And I didn't think I would go into wine. I went off to university, studied English literature, totally unrelated. But by the time I left uni, I was like, oh my gosh, like I really love just like... I just always associated wine with amazing conversations, family time, travel. Mm. And I was like, why isn't there someone making wine fun? You know, mm. and I loved Jamie Oliver at the time. what he'd done with food. And I'd seen mm. all my mates really get into food. And it's like, why isn't there someone out there doing it with wine? So I guess, like, Joe's probably right in terms of, oh, I thought about wine, like, from an earlier age. But I, I just kind of had to create my own MBA in a way. So I kind mm. of worked at wineries in Bordeaux. that I started doing my wine exams, working for retailers. I didn't really know, though, what that looked like, Jamie mm. Oliver of wine so i kind of just had to kind of freestyle it as as you went along and, and it was quite nerve-wracking when all my friends were doing far more sensible things like mm. going into finance or yeah. being lawyers but um yeah my my grandpa always had this um this lamppost theory that you know if you as long as you have your lamppost with your values and what you love and yeah. what you really want to get out of life and and for me it was getting people excited and empowering them about wine and so a few morals in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun experiences, which um, then, you know, you can kind of live life relatively, you know, you can enjoy the adventures. Some will be better than others, but as long as you have that lamppost and you can't go too wrong. Yeah, a bit like so, a vision board. Type yeah, of thing. exactly. Yeah, I guess, sort of yeah, yeah, like back yeah. in the day, yeah, that, yeah. that would have been Before the those things. Yeah, exactly. Existed, in yeah. Pinterest but, and all yeah. that.
0: <laughs> but you did um, Jamie's Drinks Tube, didn't yes, you? Yes. I think that's
2: how, like, the wine show knew about me because I'd actually. Um when I started my business I, I did these like um basement supper clubs for my basement flat called yeah. basement bacchanalia, these wine supper clubs, and Jamie Oliver heard of this mad girl throwing these wine supper clubs in her basement flat and he's like we've got to get some cameraman around there this like just sounds too weird and yeah we just like hit it off and so then I was like his his wine woman um it was meant to really be about spirits and it was really sponsored by Bacardi and stuff so it was kind of cheeky because I (laughs) ended up just being able to have a much bigger budget um because Bacardi doesn't really do that much wine so I could basically choose whichever wines I wanted and worked with Fresh One Productions which was cool so yeah that was my first really I guess yeah because I really loved the um
0: the sparkling wine one when you uh, (laughs) compare bubbles to to men
2: yeah so like prosecco with Ryan Gosling, and crowd pleaser and
0: yeah yeah that that was fun it was really good (laughs) well it's just nice I mean I think for me anyway that's what you two really share in common is being able to communicate about wine in an amusing and you know in inverted commas normal way you know you know it's not you know a, something to be pontificated about and you know that's really nice and it, it's sort of you know what we're trying to do with the people's choice wine awards obviously um but uh, you know you both communicate about wine in a very it, and when people modern come into, way
1: wine is one of those no matter what route people take to come into it it's a lifestyle job you, you mm. it's not one of those things you go into it to make an awful lot of no. money i mean there are no real routes to, to making lots no. of money in wine you end up to some degree falling into it. Now, I, Amelia actually is a, a model student. Well, you're always a model student anyway. <laughs> but no. <laughs> but, you, know, it was, you know, you took a, a very sensible thing, which was to go, right, there are certain things I need to go and do and to be quite deliberate about it. I'm probably slightly more old school, which was broadly, it was the only thing left standing when nothing else was an option and I'd been turned down from lots and lots of other bits. But I was always, you know, similarly as a child, enjoyed wine a great deal. I came from a sort of wine-loving family. I mean, I'd, I'd been a plumber um, really? Yeah, sort of. I don't see that on your while. Wikipedia page. I don't put that on my Wikipedia page. Um, and I've got
0: a dripping tap at
1: home, actually. <laughs> I'm putting <laughs> Narcan's Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. oh well, <laughs> I have a mean hand with a ball cock. I tell you. Um, <laughs> and I tried to join the army twice and then got turned down like a duvet. They said absolutely not. Um, it was a sort of series of career things that I kind of went into and had worked in restaurants. I, I mean, I first joined the wine trade. Thirty-two years ago, so I was a som in a quite a famous pub. It's now been much revived, actually. The Angel Inn in Hatton, and Hatton are now serving wine there. Um But when this show came, I was kind of lucky because I'd ping ponged through my career, done lots of stuff, been a journalist mm. and, and a plumber, and <laughs> um a slaughterman. Had a period of time as a what slaughterman. Happened? Yeah, I've skinned a horse. You don't know
2: this about? No, women. I know. I, I did not. I tell you I can do a cow in no
1: I... time I'm very really? big, yeah. and mm. manual skinning as well not with these machines it's not, not this easy way not of skinning <laughs> um,
0: it's the Bradford in, <laughs> the Bradford in yeah. it.
1: Um, but when they came I'd started broadcasting on pirate radio when I was about 16 we had a pirate, pirate radio station at school and had gone and done radio very early on so I spent most of my broadcasting career doing radio Um, with bits of telly in between. But it was always quite lucky. I remember Mel saying... It, it was kind of unusual finding me because she said, I wanted somebody who was quite an experienced broadcaster that no one had heard of, which is almost necessarily a contradiction in terms, <laughs> unless you've done Pirate Radio and Radio Scotland, in which yeah, case yeah. the only people who've heard of you are in Scotland yeah. or within a five mile radius of my school, where mm. <laughs> he used to complain. There's <laughs> a guy called Alan Bezic, he's still on air. Oh, gosh, yeah. Alan Bezic, he him. used to ring up the school to complain because we interfered with his broadcasting <laughs> really? frequency. Yeah. Was, I'm not, I can't even tell you the name of the station that we had because it was too rude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that doesn't surprise me No they didn't. So did, presumably Did they just call you For a screen test Is that how it
1: If only it sounded That professional okay. really yeah. Oh really <laughs> Yeah They just said Start speaking And we won't
0: Okay Yeah So do you both start At the same time You, you did didn't you you? Yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, And I mean, when We first filmed together In um, France wasn't it We went to uh, Majev. And it was kind of, it was really the start, right, you're on skis. So we're locked into skis on the top of a mountain with some, you remember that mad French cameraman who did all the sort of twirly? He backwards it and arabesques, backwards.
2: and I know. And so he was very good looking.
1: He was extremely yeah. good looking, which is <laughs> your excuse for skiing. <laughs>
2: well, I, I'm a really tumbles. bad skier anyway, but yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you were having to follow an amazing guy doing arabesques. But it was genuinely like the worst thing because he like, said, right, now we're going to start filming. On skis, moving, and you have to sort of talk, and okay, okay, and then we did it. And Mm.
2: I think we must have, like, we looked like a a bunch of 16-year-olds, because we were GoPro'd up to the max, and yet we're the most inexperienced skiers who've ever had that (laughs) many GoPros (laughs) strapped to them. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was a bit ridiculous, but yeah, that that
0: was a good way to break into it.
1: It was. Everything (laughs) after that was easier, really.
0: What was it like meeting the... Stars meeting the Matthews
1: and they're they're very normal, really nice of, sort people, of regular yeah. people. I guess I think it really. helps
2: with their friends too, cause so they have yeah. like a natural banter between them, and they mm. feel relaxed around each other too. Which I know. don't know
1: about Amelia. If anything, I'm much more starstruck meeting some of the winemakers mm. that we go and meet. Okay, mm. mm. because for us they're you know kind of our heroes, our yeah. The mm. key yeah. and yeah. you yeah. know exactly. some these incredible estates. I remember sitting with in a little it's called a sulky with Lara you know and between her and her they've completely reinvented Argentine wine Mm. and you just go oh my goodness I'm sitting in this
2: and you just like want to do them justice you know I think that's also it too Mm. um, where you feel the pressure Um, yeah
1: because
0: you've got Dominic West in the next series. Dom's well. in the next series. Yeah. Um, he's from Sheffield, isn't he? Which he's, he's from Sheffield
1: man. and Northern has taken it, over. <laughs>
0: he's not a plumber as well, is he? it? No. No. All
1: Yorkshire people have been no, they haven't all been plumbers. <laughs> it's just a small <laughs> bizarrely, when I was a plumber, it's only because it's a slight sort of aside, but it's sort of odd where you come into these things and you find them useful. I used to be a plumber with this guy, and it's when you talk to people, this actually is actually the skill of being a broadcaster. You've got to dig under the skin of who the other person is mm. and everybody has a fascinating story and it's always much more interesting than their surface story and you know when we go out and we go and talk to all these people and then you always find out something about them mm. it's like oh my goodness you did what and i remember going with this guy who's a plumber and we, he stopped in the middle of the moors in the Dales once. A guy called jeff yean you can look him up mm. and he went across this pothole it was locked, you know, like a cave on the top. It was locked. And said, well, he said, I'm just checking it's locked. It turned out he held the world record for the world's longest underwater one-way cave dive. God. And it had taken him six years to prepare the route. Um, people had died doing it. He said, there's only two or three of us who are still alive from doing this. It's so amazingly dangerous. And he went down, and I think it took him something like, Twelve or fourteen hours to get the right way through. He said, "I really wished I went to the lavatory before I got in my suit," because <laughs> they said the next twelve hours were miserable. Oh no! Um, and he broke this world record. And no, this is right. It turned out he was one of the world's greatest cave divers. And he said, "Now I'm a plumber." I think when we've been away broadcasting, and this is one of those bits, you know, the stars, are the stars, and they do all their bits, mm. and they're lovely guys. But you talk to the winemakers, and you find out that they've broken new ground they you know have done extraordinary things they went and transformed vineyards they've revived stuff they've you know saved their family's fortunes and actually though those are the stories you sort of bring out mm. and you know the eye candy like us right, <laughs> <you too. laughs> we just draw them in and then <laughs> let, it, let the real stars of the show kind of, uh, <laughs> make us, but,
0: so. i just find it amazing how you You've managed to be broadcasters, but not necessarily gone down that traditional route of, of being journalists, necessarily. I thought you were going
1: to say arseholes <laughs> there. Um, uh, sorry, are we allowed yeah. to say that? Yeah, you can point? swear, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's not the BBC,
1: darling. <laughs> it's not the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, both of us have written, because you write. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, you've written for quite a few, Wait, actually. Waitrose, Waitrose magazine, and the yeah, and a few yeah. publications, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I wrote for... I mean, I'm a sort of secret writer. I wrote for the Herald in mm-hmm. Scotland for 15 years, 14 years.
0: So what I've just said is a load of crap.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember Gosh. when we were talking early on and we sort of, we would chat about things. And, and I am saying to Amelia, the most useful stuff I ever did was live radio. And it wasn't anything to do with wine. It was mm. sort of, because it's kind of this and you've got to think on your feet. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually, well, you don't need to. I needed to, I need a lot of training. Amelia's just brilliant, so she yeah. can just I, do I, it.
2: No, I did a lot of acting and singing like just yeah and yeah, the, my, that so was my background. From your, yeah. Cuz yeah.
0: cuz of course now you're based in LA for some of the LA year. and London,
2: yes. So that's more media project stuff. And then I come back here still doing tastings and events. So and exciting. And so what are you
0: actually doing in LA then?
2: So I'm actually, I've got a new visa, which means I, some of the stuff is a bit secret because <laughs> I worked, I was working for one company, which is all about launching a network for wine centric content, whether it's podcasts mm-hmm. or streaming platform stuff. And then I'm also writing some of my own television stuff too and now I can kind of pitch that not just to one company but to others so that's all things it all sounds very glamorous development takes a very 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 long time and I'm also I'm doing a few tastings out there too and it's just interesting for me seeing how the wine market is totally different over Mm. there with um I don't know you kind of think oh yeah I've been in the industry for 11 years now and spent you know and you know I think London is probably the most sophisticated Mm. and most cosmopolitan uh, wine city in the world and then you go over there and and you're just like oh you suddenly it is actually london is absolutely the most amazing place for wine in england we are so lucky to have access to all these wines i don't know what's going to happen after brexit sorry we're not going to probably get too political on this. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll skip not. on but um yeah so i'm just like learning a bit more about the wine market there doing some tastings over there and as well as doing the media stuff so and also i'm half californian which i'm sure yes. my accent totally gives away but i have um quite a lot of family members mm-hmm. there so it's quite It's really lovely, actually, to be able to spend some time with them, and particularly as my grandma's getting a bit older. so Yeah, so we're
0: very lucky to have you here, really. Yeah, you
2: guys, yeah, I love it. I mean, last year I was coming back pretty much every six weeks for stuff here, and now things are kind of getting a bit more intense over there, so um, I'm not going to be back until June. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, good. I'm glad we can make this work
1: because yeah. I love I loved doing it last oh, year. So oh, yeah,
0: It was great. It was really good. But yeah, um, so you've got the new series that's coming out. Um,
1: that comes out, I think, in sort of May, something yeah. like that. There's still some bits you're doing. Well, yeah, stuff, I'm going
0: back, actually. Like I
2: go back on the 18th and then I'm filming in New York and San Fran for Series 3 mm. um, at the end of this month. So... Yeah, and then is that the last bit, last segment?
1: I think so. Yeah, there's that, and there's maybe one sort of other bit, but I think that's pretty much it. I know and they the do something with injustice. Matthew Reese
2: over there too. There's
1: a the thing with yes. And I not I never know, but then I have a two-year-old, so to be honest, I can't remember mm. what I had for breakfast this morning. So my <laughs> life is just sort of like somebody's put magic mix in your brain, and you go, "What am I doing in the next four hours?" Right, that's me done. So there are some. I think there's some little bits and pieces to go and do. It's, um, mostly, I'm pretty much. I think all my stuff's done, so it's just a question of these last little. Little mm-hmm. bits and pieces And then it got edited together Because then they have to cut out Us two Banging on like mm-hmm. this yeah. To make us sound fluent And concise And look
2: good mm.
1: Well <laughs> it's easy in your case it really looks like gorgeous And everybody looks at me And goes Oh my goodness Look at those eyebrows He looks like Dennis Healy Gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> no, but
2: I like do my weird eye squinty thing
1: yeah, was just, yeah, squinty. We've, got our We've got our oddity. We've got our oddity, yes on, I've watch, removed watch the contact lens with my uh, eyebrows before Because they grow really? straight down oh Yeah, my goodness. Uh. And so every so often somebody has to come and clip them off With a set of hedge trimmers <laughs> The glamour imagine, of television I was
0: going to say, imagine being the person who has to do that
1: Well there's one, there's a much fought over job um, Which is uh, going and doing my head oh. For listeners, oh. I've Got no hair at all, and it goes very shiny. So, if you're outdoors, it makes it really difficult for the cameras to get the levels. And okay. there's this stuff you can get at MAC Cosmetics, I'm not sponsored. Um, <laughs> it's a gel, and you kind of brush it on, and it's magical. And it sort of matt is it mattifying gel? You know, what yes, it's tediously expensive. And it suddenly takes all the sheen off your head. Nice. And so, everybody gets very competitive about who gets to do it, because apparently, it's quite a nice thing. For me, it's lovely, it's rather therapeutic. Mm was quite like satisfying. <laughs> it's something to yeah. head massage. With and then we'll be camera and saying, "No, a bit further down. He's still, he's still glossy." <laughs> 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 sort of go and do one, one cheek close. and one shoulder, you know. Yeah. So yeah, we've got some little bits and pieces to do, and then there's lots of stuff that happens around it, you know. Yeah, we've totally. Got, yeah. All you know, the bits, and mm. we both end up writing. Cause I write for it's, it's brilliant. You see, Amelia goes and does young and fashionable people, and I do Saga magazine. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> saga and Radio Times.
0: You are the poster boy. For I am the poster boy for Saga, <laughs> saga and Radio Times, yeah.
1: um, which are, are both very insane. Saga is lovely because actually we forget, and it's funny being here, people's choice, you know, um, what's it, three quarters of Britain's net disposable income sits in people over the age of 55. Mm. And the people who actually buy wine and certainly who can afford to mm-hmm. are very often... People over the age of 50, mm. 55. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember looking at the stats on the readership numbers. It's the biggest monthly subscription magazine in Britain gosh. by miles. Mm. And it's about half a million people a month uh, wow. read Saga. I think yeah. it's about 260,000 subscribers and then mm. they all hand it on to somebody else. So it's a really nice mag to write for. And it's beautifully produced. Um, and I was amazed at how many people still read Radio Times.
0: Uh, uh, gosh, yeah, Radio Times, yeah. yeah you're yeah. writing for them Yes. now, aren't you? I heard yeah. about that, yeah. So is that the first time they've had a wine
1: it is. writer yeah. at the Radio Times? I know. probably the last.
0: <laughs> Just short span of a career <laughs> at the Radio Times. No, no that's really Because I write a lot of
1: trade papers. I write yeah. a monthly column on behavioural economics and you the buyer. Do, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. My Harper's column, uh, I wrote it today, it's for this, this trade paper. And often it's about how the way we choose wine, and it's interesting when you talk to regular punters mm. i.e punters but um people often buy wine about how it feels rather than what it mm. is yeah and you know in the categories for the awards mm. they're much more around occasions yeah. and yeah and it's very hard to go and say that and i was, I was writing something about sustainable wine mm. wine in boxes and so on and it's very difficult to go and persuade people that You know, they feel better about it. The reason people don't buy wine in boxes is because they feel bad about it. They feel Mm. it's going to be cheap. And you go, no, that's not true at all. Mm. So, a lot of the time, um, I told everybody that we should introduce. Have you heard of this thing called Flieg Scam? It's a Swedish concept. No. Domestic flights in Sweden last year, or domestic passengers, fell by 9% because of Flieg Scam. And it literally translates as flight shame. And it encapsulated that sense that we probably oughtn't to fly quite so much uh, in a phrase. Okay. So everybody's worried about flight shame. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I said we should go and have a flasker scam or bottle shame. Because oh, actually yeah, for yeah. pretty much yeah. anything under a tenner, mm. fundamentally it should come, you know, you want to go and buy it in a box or, mm. uh, you know, a refillable. Can. Or certainly cans. Mm, yeah. or at the very least, it should be bottled in the UK. Domain mm. bottled wines really shouldn't happen for much under £10. It should be bottle shame, flasker mm. scam. Mm-hmm. I go. agree with that. That's I'm the kind of stu- daft stu-
0: stuff I write <laughs> about. <laughs> Sounds very interesting. So, what are you? What have you been drinking recently? Is this is there something that you've either maybe discovered recently that you think is great, or you've revisited something, or there's new great variety or whatever? Are you?
2: I went to my first Uruguayan wine tasting uh-huh. about two weeks ago, and I just thought it was going to be tannat, like that Monty Python sketch. But mm-hmm. actually, um, there's like amazing Cabernet Franc. There's some really good Viognier. And it's really great value, and they have it at 67 Palma. I tried it in um, LA, and they've they've got it in a couple of really cool wine bars um, in LA, uh, Vino Progresso. And but that for me was actually a real revelation because I'd had like a couple of Tanats in the past, and I was like, ooh, acid mm. and grippy, grippy and, about, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so that was actually really fun, and I think particularly now as as people are trying to find good value options and popular regions are becoming more and more expensive. Mm. Um, I think that'll be really interesting and the kind of the whole idea of old world versus new world. Are those categories kind of relevant? What's mm. the new, new world? And yes. now we're starting to see like, what are places like Georgia called? What, what does England even fit in? Yes, and Now I'm really yes. excited to see where yeah, places like Uruguay also mm. find a niche. Very good. It really so much
1: me? more sensible. Every time somebody mentions Uruguay, I remember Homer Simpson saying, hey, there's a country here called You Are Gay. <laughs> 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 That's literally the first thing that comes to my brain. You know, there's a wine, incredibly, because these countries come through and they're, they are leapfrogging enormous amounts of development. There is a wine from Uruguay that is uh, distributed only through the Place in mm. Bordeaux. And it was the first wine not from Europe to mm. be distributed exclusively through the place. And you think that's this is extraordinary. How rapidly have these countries gone and reached the real sort of top level of wine making? Um, I'm drinking a lot of Beaujolais, and quite mm. naturally, sort of Beaujolais. I don't know particularly why. Um, there's a, a great uh, blogger in France, Miss Vicky, and. Um, she, I met her at a conference and we sort of chatted away and then suddenly I realised I was drinking loads and loads of interesting, crunchy Beaujolais. Mm. Funny enough, an hour ago, I was drinking a Gamay from the Ardèche made mm. by Louise Nodan-Ferrand um, and it's really good value and it's apparently it was only because she'd she'd lost the harvest. I love these kind of stories. Harvest had been completely lost to hail, and so she had nothing to make. So her friend had some Gamay outside Beaujolais and she said, can I buy it and make it? Mm. And... Um, I discovered an amazing thing. Apparently, if you use low sulphur, which she does, a uh, whole bunch of fermentation isn't quite as stalky, so it's very nice. Ah. I had that and I had some Ridge Gieserville, so I went from the sublime nice. to the ridiculous. <laughs> no, yes, on my <laughs> The turf. ridiculous yes. to the sublime, it was quite oh, a leap. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I drink a lot of those kind of bits. I drink a lot of uh, dry ferment. Mm. I'm a big, huge fan of dry ferments in Hungary mm. at the moment. Um.
2: I love Austrian wines. Yeah. Mm. Like Gruners. Yeah. And I'm going to Austria next week and I'm oh, so nice. excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like getting my friends into Chenin Blanc too, like from South Africa and stuff like that. I find that unifies the Chardonnay lovers and the Sauvignon Blanc drinkers. Mm, um, yeah. Chenin, you, um You can get like lovely concentrated Arnek Chenin, which just does the job for both camps. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed getting to my American friends into South African Chenin Blanc in particular but also from the Loire too and the American market they like things a bit fruitier so you know, yeah. you show them a good vivray and they get really excited and no one knows what it is over there and so actually it's it's uh, okay. really reasonably
0: priced yeah oh, that's
1: yeah. really good wow. I suspect we're a bit similar to each other because we're very lucky we get to go to lots of great places and you often come back completely full of beans going oh right that's it I'm only going to drink things from Austria from now on yeah. and, and I came back from Germany and it was completely bubbling over with it kind of a renewed love of German wines, I've always enjoyed them, but mm. suddenly everything kind of makes sense, in the Mosel and the Rhine, and mm. you know, all the different bits and pieces, and there's a couple of producers, and we talked to a friend of mine, Eva Frick, who makes these gorgeous wines in Loch and places on the, on the Rhine, and then it's suddenly it's in your head, and you go around evangelising for stuff, and then they do really well until you suddenly turn up and you're sort of like, Oh, Bordeaux is the most amazing place in the world because you've just been to see some interesting people in <laughs> yeah, Bordeaux. Or, yeah. you know, you go to Australia. Oh, that's it, Adelaide Hills. There's nothing else I want to drink ever. And I'm yeah. a bit tiggerish about the yeah. last thing I went to. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's understandable, isn't it? I mean, wine's so fascinating as well. And it's just You're great. always I mean, learning. What? Like, that's yeah, why I always. like it. You can yeah. never get bored. Yeah. And you yeah. can never
2: have too
0: rigid of views on things. You, yeah. You know, and I'm, yeah. Yeah, because you say, "Oh, I don't like something," and then you try, and then exactly. you'll try one, and you go, "Oh, actually, I quite like that one." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, thank you. It's been really fascinating talking to you, and I'm so pleased that you're both here in Manchester for our awards. And obviously, we're at the Comedy Store. I think you've tried a bit of comedy.
1: In the I past. F- yeah, Joe has know, that horrendously on your- tried comedy once, almost all of which was cut from the episode because it was all too rude. And the only <laughs> way I could make them laugh was to tell mucky jokes. Um, it's the I. I take my hat off to anybody who gets up on stage and does stand up terrifying and he is a weird combination of being utterly terrifying and I think one of those things I discovered and it's like lots of bits you know we know a lot about wine and people are always amazed and they say how do you know all this and how do you do it and well it takes a very long time and mm. you do lots of exams you know we're both on the diploma and mm. that's a really tough sort of qualification to go and do and you have to travel around and of course what I discovered was Comedy is kind of the same. It's Mm. very technical and there's a craft to it. And it takes ages to go and learn how to do it well. And so I'm I'm delighted with how far I got in whatever it was, 36 hours of trying to write a four or five minute set. And that I got a laugh at all was absolutely delighted. But, you know, it's a bit like wine. Wine is really good when you've got somebody nice who guides you through and, you know...
0: Amelia. People
1: get in touch with Amelia no, or... <laughs> but, you know, no. both <laughs> I was like,
2: oh wait, where's he going with that? <laughs>
1: both of us, you know, I think both of us get that lovely thing where people come and they say, you know, I really trust... Yeah, like, yeah. What you say and they they sort of... We're take not
2: pretentious, long. we're not, not elitists, no, we're not snobs.
1: No. You know, uh, and, um, Gina Yashiri, who's a brilliant comedian and she just kind of figuratively held my hand and, in fact, literally more than once. But, you know, she said, no, I'll gently take you through this and I'll show you how you're going to do it and incredibly within 36 hours I'm standing up doing a a live comedy set Mm. I think with wine where you find a competition Mm. or a person Mm. or a really good wine merchant or you know some way where somebody kind of says, no, I'll just hold your hand and I'll take you through Mm. this. Um, It opens up this amazing, you know, so that's why it's going to be great fun. We'll see the awards tonight. Fantastic. Fantastic. She's on stage. Fortunately, I only come up briefly. It's gotten
2: even bigger than last year, hasn't
0: it? Yes, we've doubled the amount of wines this year. And And the categories. And and yeah, i have got a lot more categories. And obviously we've got this video, live video vote, uh, Wine Passion, the story behind the label, which is pretty much... um, fits in really well anyway with the with the wine show ethos celebrating those really hard working passionate um winemakers and because it's just so hard isn't it i mean all uh, those fantastic people that you meet that you say you're in awe of you know how on earth do you get all that on a front and back label you know it, it's impossible or very very difficult to do that yet that's the bit that pulls on the heartstrings and that's the bit where you think oh god i want to you know i want to buy their wine and drink their wine and you know it's a difficult job for them i wonder them, if the qr so code will take off more in that yeah. area a bit like the are you thinking you're not thinking about the label with the 19 crimes yes yes, That's like yes. huge in the states yeah. like for yeah. millennials yeah. Um, like that. they'll remember that one <laughs> thanks for listening if you like the podcast please subscribe in your podcast app and leave us a review Open Up and Pour is Adapt It production thanks to the original Rabbit Foot Spasm Band for the theme music and for more information about the People's Choice Wine Awards go to peopleschoicewineawards.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.